The global bond market has been really spooked here of late, and the Chinese continue to supply enough reasons for why that might be. Repo rates over there have jumped here. Banks have been downgraded. Deflation has already shown up in the real economy. Stimulus there isn't working. Outside of some limited impacts on some commodities like iron and steel, it is not producing any results. And instead, it leaves China facing the prospects for deflationary recession. Not just the prospects, actually showing up in the data right now as we speak, both in the real economy, we'll talk about that, deflation and consumer and producer prices, as well as in, maybe more importantly, the financial economy. Let's start with the jump in repo rates. Up until just recently, it was normal for repo rates in China to rise at the end of each quarter. They have window dressing in China just as much as they have anywhere else, which leaves the system a little bit less liquid than it would be otherwise. So end of the quarter, a little bit of window dressing, banks pull back, you get a little bit of a jump in repo rates. Not supposed to be that much, and it's not supposed to be at the end of each month. I did a video just recently about how at the end of October, there were reports that Chinese banks were being charged 50% rates to get funds in repo, mostly the smaller banks, but still. And though those rumors were never really confirmed, there is absolutely data coming from the Chinese government itself, which shows liquidity is becoming a bigger and bigger issue in China. Repo rates at the end of October surge, and then they never really went back down in November. And then at the end of November, they rose yet again. What's even more interesting here, the theme of globally synchronized that keeps coming up, the spike in repo rates correlates pretty darn closely to the alarm in the global bond market. We see repo rates start in their end of October surge right when U.S. Treasuries and German bonds and rates around the world start to go down in reverse. But more importantly, that happened again in November. Both of those things. In November, November 24th, we start to see repo rates go up yet again. The seven-day rate got as high as 285, while the 14-day repo rate got to, to be 3.6%. November 24th, that is the starting point for when curves around the world, U.S. Treasuries included, forward rate curves that I've been highlighting, Euriber futures, all of those went nuclear. When? November 24th. So that's already one hell of a correlation here. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that the, the, there's a direct relationship that China's repo rates or illiquidity in China's repo market is causing all, those, all of the, what we see, the drop in curves around the rest of the world. But you have to wonder here how closely they are related, that banks that supply dollars and hedge in all of these markets are looking at China's situation saying, maybe it's a good time for me to hedge here because Chinese, the Chinese situation continues to get worse. There's illiquidity there. There's all sorts of other problems, economic problems, as we'll get into in just a moment. So it would make sense that if you're a bank, especially if you're exposed like those in Japan to uh, Chinese conditions, the Chinese banking system, maybe you want to hedge in every other way, including buy safe and liquid assets around the rest of the world, as you see these things un uh, developing and unfolding in China. The worse it gets there, the more you need to be defensive everywhere else, which of course has knock-on effects because as these banks are hedging against their Chinese exposures or potential just danger from China, they're also pulling back from all their activities around the rest of the world. Balance sheets become constrained. You look at China as a risk and you transfer that risk through your own balance sheet to everywhere else around the world. Globally synchronized. 
And these repo rates are really getting to the point where you have to look and say, hey, what, what's going on here? It's, it's even gotten so far that even a U.S. rating agency, Moody's, as we'll see in a second, is getting in on it. But before we get to Moody's, just the common explanation that has been put forward for why repo rates are going up in China, and this makes sense, is because governments have been issuing tons of bonds and banks, they, they buy up a lot of these bonds. And as they're buying the bonds, they don't have enough liquidity left over for interbank markets like repo. And while that's likely a one source of the problem here, I don't believe it's the entire source because if that was the case, we wouldn't see this correlation with global bonds, nor would we see what we're seeing in the real economy. There's real economy effects here, not just from banks funding the government stimulus. It's actually banks funding the government stimulus. At the same time, they're looking at the effects of that stimulus, which are not very good, and thinking more and more risk. So there's less cash available in China for a couple of different reasons that don't appear to be any good ones. Now, before we get into Moody's, I do want to mention, as I have before, Eurodollar University, we're having a Christmas sale where for a limited time here up until the holiday, you can get 40% off our complete package, which includes everything. That's the daily briefing, the deep dive analysis, and a Eurodollar membership. All three of those for 40% off the deep dive analysis list price. It includes every aspect of the Eurodollar University subscriptions as well as memberships. That's what's going on with the daily briefing, why it's going on, the deep dive analysis, and the background behind all of those. That's the membership. So check it out at our sales page, eurodollar.university. With everything that's going on in the repo market in China, as well as around the rest of the world, not surprising to see CNY become weaker again. Beginning December 1st, the currency turned around and it's been heading back lower. It got up to about 7.12.40 to the dollar. As I'm talking to you now, it's about 7.17.70 or closer to 7.18 again. It had been unusually strong for whatever reasons in November. Now it seems to be turning back lower with growing issues across China's financial system as well as its economy. And reflecting both of those, last week, U.S. ratings agency Moody's downgraded Chinese government debt. They downgraded several bank debt, downgraded regions. They really, Moody's really took it to China here. Now, they didn't, they didn't do a ratings downgrade. Essentially, they said they're, they're downgrading the outlook for all of these Chinese entities, including the Chinese government, from stable to negative. Rationale for it was the increased need to support local efforts in this stimulus drive, which, according to Moody's quote, pose broad downside risk to China's fiscal, economic, and institutional strength. Because as the more the government has to do, the less it actually works, the more the government's going to have to do. You get into this locked stimulus cycle or downward spiral where its ineffective response leads to more problems in the economy, which leads to more ineffective response. The debt levels go up for little to no payoff. As they said, as Moody's admitted here, China faces structurally and persistently lower medium-term economic growth. No matter what the Chinese have done, they've been throwing out more and more stimulus, more escalating stimulus. It doesn't work. That's what the economic data has been completely clear about. And as I keep saying, the more the Chinese have to do, or the more they feel they have to do, the worse you know it is. And so Moody's, in the, to some extent, is actually picking up on that theme too, to their credit for once. Now, as I said, it wasn't just the Chinese government. 
They also downgraded to negative from stable dozens of government-related and supported entities, the regions of Hong Kong and Macau, and eight banks, including the four largest banks in China, which are the Agricultural Bank of China, the Bank of China, China Construction Bank, and of course, Industrial and Commercial Bank of China. And what they said about the banks was, the change in outlook to negative from stable on these banks is directly driven by a potential decline in the rating or credit quality of the central government, given the change in the sovereign rating outlook. So the economic problems, the lack of effective stimulus, now they're saying it's gonna spill over to the banking system. The more the central government does, it limits its capacity to help out with these banks. These trends underscore the increasing risks related to policy effectiveness. Even Moody's can tell it's not working, including the challenge to design and implement policies that support economic rebalancing while preventing moral hazard and containing the impact on the sovereign's balance sheet. So again, China is going through the same problem that we've been talking about for over a year now, which is none of these things are the reason for China's economic weakness. First, it was reopening, zero COVID, all of that stuff. Then it was, well, the failed reopening must be stimulus is needed. And the stimulus came in and it didn't do much either. You get these temporary, very short run, very limited rebounds. We saw that in January and February to an extent and with the big reopening. And then again, summertime, August, maybe a little bit into September. And while that was overhyped as China is turning a corner in the Western media, it has not actually panned out. All the economic data is absolutely clear. When you look at it and examine it, China has not turned a corner. In fact, if it has turned a corner, thinking about repo rates and Moody's realizing all these risks here, it's turned a corner in the wrong direction. They have more problems, more that, are, more that are leading toward the deflationary recession outcome, which if you're a bank or financial entity around the world that's exposed to all of these potential spillovers, yeah, buy safe and liquid Buy safe and liquid assets. It's not that big of a uh, mystery here. So as I mentioned, China has deflation already in its real economy. This is not theoretical. This is not a risk. This is right, right here, right now already. Over the weekend, the Chinese reported on consumer prices as well as producer prices. What they reported was more confirmation that deflation in China, stimulus is not working. And as Moody's is concerned, the government's gonna feel compelled to do even more, which won't work, which just raises levels of debt, which raises levels of leverage, which creates more financial risks on top of an economy that will not be healed by these stimulus packages. So the CPI, that was down 0.5% year over year, which is tied with November, 2020. November, 2020, for the worst year-over-year -year rate in Chinese consumer prices since 2009. One of the very few numbers, very few monthly figures that are down at that negative level. China does not experience much outright consumer price deflation. Well, it's accelerating, or at least accelerated in November. We'll see what it looks like in December. Not holding my breath there. So essentially all the economic problems are coming up and coming out here. Monthly basis, month over month, consumer price was down the same 0.5% month over month. Again, you can see the clear progression where you have reopening, failing, leading to the stimulus cycle. You have the positive consumer prices over the summer, but they start to roll over into the fall. And by the time we get to November, we're, China is deep into negatives again. And it's not entirely food prices. 
though pork prices have been the leading component driving consumer prices lower, and they were down again in November, down 0.9% month over month in November, non-food prices were also seriously negative, minus 0.4% month over month in November. Consumer goods prices health fell by half a percent there. Services prices falling by 0.4% as well. Consumer prices in China already exhibiting serious deflation, and not for the first time this year, revisiting deflation after the stimulus didn't work. Remember, we already talked about this before, China's retail sales, those were hyped up everywhere in the Western media as, as proof that this stuff was working when you looked at the actual details, like consumer prices here, you saw that it's not having the intended effect. In fact, China is weaker now than it was earlier in the year facing reopening. Same thing as, as far as producer prices go, though when we talk about Chinese producer prices, we're also talking about the rest of the world because that's where those two really come together, China's external sector as well as its industrial capacity. The export trade recession that we've been talking about, here it is again in renewed weakness in producer prices, renewed deflation in producer prices. The PPI year over year was 3% not positive 3%, minus 3% year over year. That's starting to go down, accelerate to the downside again after the oil price led um, softening in the negatives over the last few months. Now we're moving, for, for, moving lower again. Factory gate prices minus 4.0% year over year. The PPI on a monthly basis, again, you can clearly see the pattern, the disinflation rebound, the disinflation pattern. And now the rolling over China's economy again toward the end of the year. We had positive numbers in the middle part of the year, 0.2% uh, in August, 0.4% September, then zero in October, which is ironic because that's when the stimulus was supposed to be really rolled out. So you got zero in October and now minus 0.3% in November. Factory gate prices, same thing, which means you've got prices going into the factory as well as coming out with finished goods exhibiting the same deflationary tendencies that go with globally synchronized economic weakness. But when you add China's financial woes, its banking sector woes, which even Moody's, the, the outfit that failed to see subprime mortgages, even Moody's says, oh boy, we're not really constructive about China here because its economy doesn't seem to want to respond to the stimulus. And they have all of these banking problems that are leading to financial issues as well. It is the perfect, maybe the best example of deflationary recession risk, but not really risks, deflationary recession reality that we have around the world. And as I said before, it's one hell of a correlation to have repo rates surge at the same time you see flight to safety around the rest of the world. Not once, but twice, twice. So globally synchronized. Why did Moody's downgrade China? Well, as they said, structurally and persistently lower medium-term economic growth and risks related to policy effectiveness. Basically, China, the government's not gonna get it out of its problem here, and it doesn't help that the rest of the world is struggling in a recession too. You put those two things together, and it's a combustible situation, which we see already in several ways, primarily, Deflation in consumer prices, deflation in producer prices, that's already happening. Repo rates surging, which suggests liquidity problems, not just related to the government issuing tons of bonds, but also because 
flight to safety as well there. Risk aversion, not risk taking. So we look at the bond market. Bond markets have been pricing increasing alarm. And there's three primary reasons for that. One is Europe, which is a total mess, becoming a unruly mess. That's still an issue. The U.S., may not hit its soft landing. Despite the hoopla and, her, and the hype over the last payroll report, the underneath details suggest US, a lot of the U.S. labor market's already in recession. And the third one, maybe the biggest one, that China's problems don't remain limited to China. Because again, this is a globally synchronized situation. They spill over across Asia in economic terms. They spill over into financial terms all across the rest of the world. It becomes a very bad situation, especially when you have one after another after another. China's not responding, China's getting worse, and the bond market is worried about that and everything else. So there's every reason to believe that the risks for the entire global system are increasing and maybe even rapidly. I just had an incredible conversation with Macro Elf of all people about these bond market fundamentals. You can see part of that talk, that conversation, that's the video link below me. The rest of it is available only for Eurodollar University members and subscribers. And we have a Christmas sale going on right now if you wanna become one of those. Check it out at our webpage, eurodollar.university. And as always, take care.